0: Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. A couple special guests joining me today. We have our regular medical director, Dr. Rob Dixon. Good
0: afternoon, Casey.
1: And our emergency preparedness and safety coordinator, Sean Simmons. Good afternoon. And We released a novel coronavirus 2019 episode uh, six weeks ago or so, and we left that one open-ended. It was a developing situation, uh, mostly localized to uh, Wuhan, China at that point. And obviously over the past six weeks, we've experienced spread, uh, new developments, new numbers, uh, and a case here in Montgomery County. So as we said, we will be back with updates as those developments progressed. And here we are today. So we're gonna talk more about where we're at as a service, where we're at as a community, and what we know from a uh, infectious disease epidemiolo- epidemiology standpoint. So let's hit with a little bit of background first. This is some of the uh, initial information that we discussed before, but just for review sake, uh, the COVID-19, as it's now termed, virus, uh, developed in early December in 2019, started in Wuhan, China. Uh, just a little bit of uh, terminology for the listeners, just because there's some terms that have been tossed around in the news that admittedly, even as an emergency physician, probably confused me. And if you ask me, I'd act like I knew what I was talking about, but I and probably would the, And then wouldn't. we'd look it up. Yeah, and I look okay, it up, good. Google. Yeah, so hit some hit some of the commonly used and I would say misused terms for the listeners, Doctor Dixon.
0: Yeah, so I think a couple of really common ones bantered about are epidemic and pandemic. Remember, an epidemic is just a serious outbreak of any disease, but within a defined region. Casey, a pandemic is an epidemic with worldwide spread, which is now what the World Health Organization is call, calling this COVID nineteen. A couple of other terms when we talk from the public health side about quarantine versus isolation. So quarantine restricts movement of those people who may be exposed or persons under monitoring, is that right, Sean, or investigation? So, I'm gonna, he's gonna get to that. We're gonna get to PUI and right. PUM, but, but quarantine restricts the movement of people as opposed to isolation, which separates them sick from non-sick. So, Sean, I, since I brought it up, the persons under investigations and persons under monitoring, from a public health standpoint, can you explain that to the listeners and, and how that works? So,
2: so they're both important to know. So you have the PUI, the persons under investigation. Those are, those are individuals that, uh, for whatever screening criteria, the public health district or department believes that they are susceptible to the COVID-19. So they actually have collected the test, and the tests are out, and they're pending results. Those are persons under investigation. Now, you also have the PUMs. You'll see that a lot for persons under monitoring. Those are people that have the risks, the associated risks without the symptoms. So they've been in close contact. They've had the travel risks. They were, they were on a, a high-threat cruise or they were, in, they were in Egypt or China. They, they've been to those regions, but they don't show symptoms yet. So they're monitoring. The CDC is checking them every day, and they continue that check for 14 days to make sure that they're outside the window where they'll constr- start contracting the the symptoms.
0: Right. So persons under investigation, we have d- done the test, sent the swabs off, and we're monitoring them. And then persons under monitoring, we're just monitoring their symptoms. Correct. Is that correct?
1: And then epidemic, serious outbreak of any disease within a defined region. Pandemic is an epidemic with worldwide spread. Quarantine restricts movement of at-risk patients who are not sick yet. So people who are quarantined aren't sick yet. Isolation is separating the sick from the not sick. So tell us about the numbers, Dr. Dixon. Where are we today? 311, 2020
0: Right, so the CDC numbers from today, uh, the COVID virus is present in 38 states. There's currently 938 cases with 28 deaths in the US. Um, The good news here is this is rare in children right? Less than 2% of worldwide cases were in children. And as of today, there are no reported deaths of children less than 10 in the United States. Worldwide, uh, as I said, this is from the World Health Organization, it it is classed as a pandemic. Over 118,000 cases globally in over in 114 countries, the death rate exceeding 4,300, which is about three and a half percent. So it's understand that this is all all comers, we don't know the denominator, i.e. there may be more people infected that we don't know. So we don't actually know what the real mortality rate is. uh, And that it varies depending on your age and comorbidities, i.e. it may be less than 1% for uh, people less than 40 that are healthy, and up to 15% in patients as they reach their seventh, eighth decade and have comorbidities. So that's that it's kind of what we would expect as is, is clinicians, is that older, sicker people are more susceptible to these things.
1: Yeah, I just interject here, just for a brief myth buster, there's been a lot of discussion comparing COVID-19 and influenza. So just for knowledge sake, the typical mortality rate for seasonal flu is less than 0.1% if you read some of the more optimistic numbers out there, look at some of the cruise ship data and South Korean data, for example, the mortality is quite a bit less than that three and a half, 3.6%. But even if you're at,
0: let's say, let's say we fall at 1% for
1: mass mass sake, you're still 10 10 times worse than seasonal flu. Right. So should we be concerned? Yes. Should we be developing, um, you know, protocols, preemptive plans, planning ahead all the things that Sean's been doing all morning this morning absolutely and there's no need for panic but uh, preparedness for sure
0: yeah and that's uh, that brings us to a good pivot point to Casey can you go back and talk about this virus where did it come from talk about the epidemiology of it and uh, some of the some of the symptoms
1: so covid 19 is a coronavirus it's a large family of of viruses, it's, it's common. Um, in years past, up to one-fifth of the common cold was due to coronavirus. Now, COVID-19 is a specific coronavirus that obviously has higher rates of spread, higher rates of mortality. Obviously, that's why we're at, at pandemic state. Um, initially, it was thought to have been transferred from some animal to human. There's debate there um, and obviously we've, we've progressed now to person-to-person uh, transmission. One of the questions I see asked on all of the podcasts, all of the interviews is can we transmit COVID-19 when asymptomatic? And it appears that that is possible, but from a, you know, 36,000 foot view standpoint, patients are going to be most infectious and have most risk to spread the disease when they're most symptomatic. So, you know, how can we know if we're asymptomatic you know again we're just going to have to use common sense and as we all know if anybody's been walking around in public for the last week or so i've never seen people wash their hands cover their mouths pull out the hand sanitizer like i have in the emergency department over the past few shifts that i've worked so in the end that's a net that's a net positive for sure so if you're coughing if you're running a fever if you have these symptoms obviously those are the times that you're going to be the most uh, contagious with influenza or COVID-19 or really any viral respiratory illness. So that's the time when you should really be the most careful. So as far as other epidemiologic facts, um, still the most commonly uh, affected or the most highly affected countries are China, uh, Italy, Iran, and South Korea. I guess for another little good news tidbit, the rate of infection appears to be declining in china and south korea so hopefully that extends worldwide
0: acting like a regular kind of pandemic right these things have a a way of burning themselves out and the case rate is not going up there it's going down which is actually a really good sign
1: and i would say in china and south korea there definitely has been uh, mitigation efforts and uh, planning uh, efforts to help sort of flatten that curve, if you've sure. seen that, that term used throughout, throughout the media. What does the disease look like now that we know more about it?
0: You know, it's a, it's a respiratory viral infection. It causes mild to severe symptoms, so you're on a spectrum, just like really any, any respiratory disease. It's thought to be about a two-week course for mild disease and up to four to six weeks for moderate to severe disease. The incubation period, the average is five days, but it can go anywhere from two to 14 days. It's thought to spread through respiratory droplet. And so let me let me focus on droplet and spread. A droplet if is just a, a particle of liquid. You sneeze or cough and a particle of liquid with that uh, comes down and lands on something. It doesn't- Spit. Spit, it doesn't float around in the air. Now, if I am sitting here doing the podcast, Sean is sitting right across from me. If I cough without covering my mouth somehow. Please don't. Thank you very much, sir. And I, and I, I spew a, a droplet on Sean. Could that get in his mucous membrane, in his mouth, in his nose? Absolutely right. That would be a, a way to directly spread it. But most of these are I cough into my hand and then I shake Sean's hand and then he goes to have lunch and puts his hand to his mouth that's the most common way so how do we mitigate these things sean can you talk a little bit about how we mitigate these things so the mitigation really comes down
2: to the same as kind of like uh you would for any other uh flu season you know you're gonna you're gonna distance yourself from others you're going to take the the steps back uh just social distancing you know six feet is a is a good uh good margin to avoid others uh uh, understand that the respiratory droplets, they can last hours to days depending on the surface, so be careful what you're touching. You know, if you're walking into a room touching a doorknob, uh, find a sink, carry that hand sanitizer, make sure you're you're ready to, to mitigate those germs. Uh, when you're hand washing, you know, it 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 makes you feel good if if you walk in and say you washed your hands when you just let water run over it. But you know, that's not washing your hands, that's just getting your hands wet. You need to wash your hands with soap, warm water, uh, and actually scrub in the soap for about 20 seconds. Make sure you know you're actually Getting after that bacteria and in, in the germs. Understand that uh, you know most most home cleaners are going to kill the virus. Uh, you're looking for something with a higher than sixty percent alcohol concentration. So when you're buying your hand sanitizer, you're going to look for that uh, concentration. Understand that that may be hard to find right now because there is panic. You know, we're, we're as much as we can say, don't panic, don't overstock, don't uh, buy out the store. Uh, you know, I'll admit even, the, even I went to the store and looked for the hand sanitizer because I'm, I'm around and I don't want to expose my family. So, you know, it, it's hard to say that whenever, you're, whenever there is all the panic going on around you. Uh, but saying that, you can come back and create your own type of hand sanitizer. So anything with a higher than 60% concentration. So remember that. So you're going to have the, like the 99% isopropyl alcohol with, a, with two-thirds and then a one-third aloe vera gel. I remember the things that you're gonna use at home to clean with, uh, with bleach, like a 50 to one part uh, tap water or a uh, healthcare grade cleaner with, uh, with, with the bleach concentration
0: or... Uh... Right, so pretty much anything will, will, it's a pretty susceptible virus to kill. And Remember, just to go back to what a virus is, remember, as Sean said, it can live on an inanimate object for up to a couple of days, depends on what the object is. But remember, it's not gonna live forever. Viruses depend on a host cell. If they do not have a host cell to infect, they die. Uh, So great information there. So do it yourself, hand sanitizer, two thirds, 99% isopropyl alcohol with one third aloe vera gel. Remember, if you wanna make your own cleaner at home, it's uh, one part bleach to 50 parts tap water. Or just use a commercial uh, cleaner that are available and um,
1: don't squirt the bleach mixture on your sofa there you uh, go disclaimer real quick there you go. Wow. And, and actually
0: I, I, my daughter has a sweatshirt with a big bleach thing on it where i learned that lesson myself she still wears it to remind me
1: and also you know the sam's and target are sold out of Purell hand sanitizer but a dollar bar of uh, dial soap and 20 seconds sing your happy birthday song Goes a long way and does just as good of a job. What are the what? Are we, what have we found out, uh, Dr. Dixon, that the patients look like? I mean, we've had six weeks of, you know, there's a there's a journal article every week that describes these patients a little little more clearly. What specifically? What are their symptoms looking like now, and what kind of complaints do we? are going to trigger us a little yeah. more specifically so, uh, than we knew last time well, we talked. i think
0: that people did make i think it is a good analogy to make with the influenza because the symptoms are very similar one of the most predominant symptoms over 90 percent of these patients will have a fever so a fever about 70 percent of them will present with a cough uh, myalgias or muscle aches some it depends on their where they are in the spectrum of disease but can have shortness of breath other mild symptoms, headache, sore throat, things like that, but the most common are a cough and a fever. Um,
1: How, real quick, what if you had the patient that calls and says they're running a fever with cough, they show up to your ER, you show up at their home as their, as their paramedic, you take their temperature and it's 98.7 and they said they were 103 two hours ago. How do you deal with that patient?
0: A fever is a fever is a fever. It's just like I do in my clinical practice. If a mom brings in a child and said, my child had a fever at home, I believe that mom and I, I work up that diagnosis and I would recommend that for, for my colleagues. But it, that's a really great point, Casey. And I'm gonna pivot back to Sean because we're gonna take that same call and say, um, now I'm concerned about my, my teenager, Sean, I've called 911 because I'm worried about this, this virus uh, what's going to happen on the 911 side? How how's Montgomery County and the region preparing to handle questions and and concerned parents calling about their kids' fevers?
2: So as we're preparing our crews to respond to these calls, we're also preparing for the almost the hysteria that's going to come with it. So we're preparing for the false positives, and there there are going to be false positives, a lot of them. So whenever you call 911, we're going to look for those those screening questions. So uh do you, does the patient presenting like a sick patient a 26 carter they do they have a fever are they short of breath and you have any other kind of respiratory complaints then we we dive off into a, some more screening questions of if they do have the fever and the shortness of breath have they been in close contact with somebody suspected of or confirmed of having the novel coronavirus uh or covid uh, and then as well have they been to a area of concern. So one of the travel advisory areas by the CDC. So
1: Sean, real quick, as of today, what are the positive
2: screen in countries? The travel advisory list for the the CDC. And that's as of today, 311 at two o'clock in the afternoon. Pending, it doesn't change the second I walk out of this room. We have Egypt, Japan, China, South Korea, and Italy. There we go. We got them. So when we show
1: up, we get a respiratory complaint call. Right. We believe it's screen positive. Uh So they've got fever, they've got cough and they've got either exposure to a known infected person or travel to a flag country. Correct. How are our crews going to deal with this patient differently than a normal call with
2: abdominal pain? Um, so we're vomiting. We're fortunate here that, uh, We have the the professionals in our communications center that that are so uh, quick to pick this stuff up when they do pick it up They're able to first notify the infection control on the back end so we can track the call for for the tracking purposes uh, But then inform the crews going out So right now because there is a global shortage on the PPE we're advising we want to we want to have as minimal people in that In that room as possible that are exposed. So we're gonna stage fire department. We're gonna stage law enforcement if possible and we're gonna limit the amount of people going in to make contact. So alarm or the communications center, whoever's taking the call, they're gonna ask the patient, are you able to walk? If yes, okay, understand when the ambulance gets there, you're gonna see someone in a big funky suit come up to meet you at your door, you're gonna meet that person, walk out to the ambulance with them. Uh, We're we're encouraging the crews, don't send everybody you have marching into the house, but limit, if you can do it with, with one person, do it with one, you can't do that all the time. So if you need both your crew members, take both people in. If you get in there, realize that, man, this is this is a non-ambulatory patient. I need some lift assist because you do have to take care of yourself. Call the extra fire department in, but make sure they're also PP'd up.
1: And the first thing we're going to do to that patient is hand them? You're
2: going to give them a mask. We're going to make sure they put that, that mask on so that they don't have that that increased exposure is limited. And that can just be a surgical mask, correct? correct
1: yep. yep. So So we're going to limit exposure on the front end. We're going to put a mask on the patient immediately. And when we load the patient in the back of the ambulance, how are we going to deal with family and
2: friends and bystanders and people that want to ride along? So you got to understand that the bystanders, the people that were in that house, if this patient does end up becoming a PUI, those people at home turn into PU whims. Why? Because they they have that close contact, so they're
0: at the risk. Which PUI is the person? With the person we suspect, the one Sean just loaded in the ambulance is a person we're going to investigate and test. The PUMs, or persons under monitoring, is Sean's going to document who those folks are, and public health is going to follow them for any symptom onset for yeah, 14 right. days. And we
1: don't want that ambulance full of mom, dad, cousin Joe because they're all potential. Spreaders, they're people of interest right. as well. So we want to limit contact with the people that the person under investigation has been in contact with.
2: And so what what we would do is we say, okay, only people essential to the patient care are going to come with the patient, and they're going to ride in the patient compartment, so that we don't contaminate the front of the ambulance with with the rest of uh, what could possibly be COVID. So we're we're going to keep them as they're also in exposure. Keep them in the back of the ambulance. Make sure the crew is always has their PPE isolate the back of the ambulance, close the partition window, separate if there's a door, if the ambulance has a door kind of system, as well as close off vents that may separate the ambulance from the cab.
1: Excellent. So that leads us into PPE. And this is another topic where if you had asked me about PPE, I would tell you all the times I had done N95 testing and I would tell you that I, yeah, PPE, psh, sure. I know that, that, that makes my heart hurt. I know PPE, <laughs> I know. right? I'm being perfectly honest here. But when this, when this outbreak, now pandemic, uh, hit, it really made me look at it and say, do I really understand how to put on PPE and how to take PPE off or even more cool sounding how to don and doff? So run through it, Sean. There's a specific order to take here that if you're like me, you would act like
2: you knew what you were talking about and then go look it up right so let's talk about let's let's hit those precautions again you're going to put a mask on the patient and you're going to do increased ppe for yourself so of, of course we all have the PPE that we use every single time the gloves the eye protection every time right so we have the gloves the eye protection and then we're going to have the gown and then the n95 mask okay so what order tell us the order to put it on how should right. we put it on so first keep make sure your hands are clean uh hand hygiene is always important uh Cover, then you're going to don the gown. Don is put on, doff is take off. Make sure we're clear on that. Uh, then you're going to don the appropriate N95 mask. Uh, it's important that you are fit tested, uh, if possible, before this. You want to make sure that you're fit tested to make sure that the size of N95 fits your face. We all have different faces, they have appropriate N95s for your face. Uh, then put on your eyewear, your safety glasses, and then finally your gloves. So wash hands hand sanitizer,
1: gown, mask, eyewear, gloves. So that is the specific order to try to minimize contamination, putting your PP on. Let's do doff or taking off. In what order do you take? Because you've now touched that patient. Right. They've, you know, their respiratory droplets are on your hand. They're on your, the back of your hand. They're on your forearm, on your gown. You know, you've rubbed your eyewear so they those viral particles those droplets are on you how do you get that stuff off in the best order to prevent you contracting the illness or you know getting those droplets smeared along your nasal passages or on
2: your mouth yeah you want to protect your exposure when you're doing this and this is this is also taken straight from cdc you want to make sure that you take the gloves off first stop the spread of exposure your gloves are where you're touching the patient most they have the most risk of exposure and spread take the gloves off discard them uh, then wash your hands. After each step here on doffing, you're going to wash your hands. Next, you're going to take off the gown, pull it from the back, forward, wrap it into itself, throw it away as well, Then you go back and wash your hands. Uh, next, your eyewear, take those glasses, toss them, and again, wash your hands. Uh, and then your mask. Take your mask, take it off the ear loops, pull it off and throw it away. And then finally, I'm sure you, you guys are going to guess, wash your hands.
1: And great way to remember this is you're going to take off in the order of most contaminated to least. Right. And I think that really makes sense, right? Most contaminated gloves, second, most gown, third eyewear, fourth mask, washing hands in between each step. We're going to, if a picture is always worth a thousand words, as we say on the podcast, that was the verbal description of donning and doffing. We're going to work on a podcast 360 real quick. Uh, blip on donning and doffing so you guys can also watch it. Sean,
2: where's another option for them to watch? So you, you can Google it straight on uh, YouTube. Just put donning, doffing, PPE. Uh, also, all, all, everything else I wanted to point out too, you need to make sure you're using your PPE when you're deconning your ambulance. You're open to all those exposures, all those pathogens. Make sure you're wearing that PPE while you're in there in that environment cleaning your ambulance so it's not just when you drop the patient at the ED no your, it's, dro- your job's not done when you drop the patient off you know you, you got to go in and you make sure that the exposure risk is not there for the next patient
0: that's a great great uh, point there Sean thank you
2: so let's wrap us up
1: are we more concerned now than we were with podcast number one on coronavirus 2019 absolutely uh, are we panicking no are we planning ahead and are we going to be prepared as a service and as a community absolutely Per the latest CDC update, the immediate health risk to you as an individual U.S. citizen is still low. If you have elderly family members who have respiratory comorbidities, who have immunosuppression, who have uh, transplants, uh, who have coronary disease, who have lung disease, those people are at higher risk and those people need to take care and we need to advise those people to take care. What about a vaccine? A vaccine, probably best case scenario a year away. There's multiple, multiple companies out there working on this, so hopefully it will be sooner than that, but we're probably looking at a year. Trials of medication are underway. Nothing has been shown uh, to be necessarily uh, helpful at this point. So what do I want to leave you with? What do we want to leave you with from, uh, you know, from the MCHD paramedic podcast? Wash your hands, cover your mouth, avoid large groups at all possible. You know, the cancellations are coming fast and furious. You know, we had the uh, rodeo this morning, uh, Coachella, South by Southwest, multiple medical conferences, uh, school closures. Uh, if you look back in history with other pandemics, uh, minimizing social congregation has been one of the best ways to try to reduce, reduce spread. So let's, let's have some common sense. Let's not have hysteria uh, as we left it last time. This is an evolving situation with new knowledge and new research coming out every single day, every hour, almost every minute. So we reserve the right to uh, regroup and and edit and uh, present you with new information as we get it. We will promise to do that. As always, uh, leave a review or a like where you listen to podcasts. Thanks, Dr. Dixon. Thanks, Sean, for joining us today. And we'll talk to you soon.